Hey, good people, I'm back. Welcome to the latest episode of the Atlanta Entrepreneur's Legal Podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Ann Taylor, and I'm the owner of the law office of Stacey Ann Taylor, LLC, here in beautifully sunny Atlanta, Georgia. My law firm offers various business law services, including trademark registration, business formation, and contract drafting and negotiation services. My good people, today is Thursday, May 6th, and it is 5.51 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. I am so glad to be back with you all. I hope that each of you has been doing well um, in the last few weeks. As you will recall, I let you all know in early April that I was going to take about a month off, and I told you that I would return on May 6th or May 7th, and here it is May 6th, and I'm back. As I said, I'm a woman of my word, so I... Definitely wanted to um, make my reappearance uh, when I said I would. Now, I have been up to a lot of stuff in the last few weeks. And I first, by the way, have to say that I really did miss podcasting, many aspects of podcasting, you know, sharing my journey of giving you guys sound and awesome uh, legal and business advice. But I also really enjoyed just getting some rest and being able to focus on my business. Uh, During the last few weeks, I have kind of doubled down on some of my marketing efforts and um, my, you know, just my client follow-up efforts and things of that nature. And I've also taken a short vacation. Um, My boyfriend and I went to visit my parents at their condo in South Florida. And we were just hanging out. We went to the beach and um, we were... uh, just, you know, all over the place with masks on, of course, Um, although we've both been fully vaccinated and so have my parents. But um, in any event, we were just kind of hanging out. We ended up one night, you know, going to dinner, hanging out at the Hard Rock Hotel, the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel in Hollywood, Florida. That was kind of cool. I had never been there before. For those of you who are unfamiliar, that's the large guitar-shaped hotel uh, that opened up Uh, I believe now, probably about 15 years ago or so. So anyway, it was a great trip and I really just enjoyed being able to spend time with my boyfriend and just visit my parents. And, you know, I really hadn't seen much of them, obviously, like many of you. I hadn't seen much of them in the last year or so. They did come up in March to uh, spend a week with me and I did get to see them then. But, you know, I really feel like for me, I never have enough time with my parents. I really enjoy their company. And um, it was great to spend time with them again after really not seeing them very much for the last year. So in any event, that's an update on what I've kind of been up to. Now, today's episode is episode number 36, and it's called Back to Business. And this episode is actually going to focus on Cease and desist letters, because I, um, I don't know, I have gotten a couple of calls in the last few weeks that really troubled me uh, from potential clients who received cease and desist letters. I mean, they really received these cease and desist letters like out of the blue. They had no clue that these things were coming. And, um, you know, I want to kind of talk to you all about this because I think that I think that a lot of people are unaware that if you use a trademarked brand name, logo, whatever branding element is trademarked, if you use that without permission, 
whether it's just for an advertisement or whether you name a store after it or whatever, if you use a trademarked uh, branding element uh, for your business, if you use a trademark brand for your business in any way, shape, or form, the owner of that registered trademark, federally registered trademark, has the right to come after you. And the first step is typically a cease and desist letter. And a cease and desist letter basically, for those of you who are unfamiliar because you've, hey, you've never received one yourself, it's basically just, it doesn't, it's usually not a long letter. It might be a couple of pages, maybe even three pages at the most, but usually it's one or two pages. And it basically is sent uh, by the person, either the person who has believes they've been aggrieved themselves or their attorney. And it basically just outlines the alleged legal violation. And it will usually just, you know, give a brief description of how you supposedly have uh, violated the law or, you know, in this case, violated their, you know, registered trademark. And it will usually give some legal citation uh, as well. And basically will tell you to stop doing whatever it is you're doing. Or the next step will typically be that they will uh, file some sort of motion in a federal district court, at least as it relates to trademark cease and desist letters. So let me tell you about one potential client. Um, One potential client owns a wellness business and um, she was going along, you know, in her wellness business. Uh, She opened it, I don't know, probably two or three years ago. It's in the metro Atlanta area. And out of nowhere, she says, out of nowhere, she received this cease and desist, excuse me, cease and desist letter from a woman who owns a wellness business in the same industry, um, out of state, not in Georgia, out of state, uh, with the, literally, the exact same name. And she happened to have trademarked this name, this brand name, she filed and actually got the trademark registered in 2020. So it's hers. The name is hers. Now, the woman on the phone, the potential client was saying, you know, um, Ms. Taylor, I don't understand how she can even do this. I mean, I registered my LLC uh, in Georgia and I unfortunately had to break the news to her that, um, you know, she doesn't really own the brand name. She owns an LLC with that name in Georgia. She may even own a domain name, maybe even social media accounts, but that's not the same thing as owning a brand name. To own a brand name in this country, to fully own it, you need to register a federal trademark. And unfortunately for her, this woman out of state with the basically the, ex- the exact same wellness business with the exact same brand name um, did in fact, does in fact, own a federally registered trademark. So she had every right to send that cease and desist letter. So I unfortunately had to inform this potential client that she doesn't have to stop with this cease and desist letter. This woman who owns this trademark for the business out of state can in fact go to a federal district court and file for a temporary restraining order to stop her, the potential client in the metro Atlanta area, from conducting business under that name. In fact, if she wants, if she really wants to push it and take it far, she could file a whole lawsuit, um, you know, against the uh, woman in Metro Atlanta who owns a business with the same name and eventually seek, um, you know, compensatory damages, basically damages for using the brand name without permission. And by the way, you 
you not knowing that this brand name is federally registered is not a valid defense. Um, for using the brand name without permission. And also, you know, uh, she could get essentially a court of law may decide to give her the profits or a share of the profits uh, that were, uh, you know, received by the business owner in Metro Atlanta. The woman who's out of state could actually get some of those profits because essentially the business owner in Atlanta the brand name is part of the reason that she was able to, you know, do well in her business. And so I just really want to encourage you all once again in this back to business episode. Um, I really want to encourage you all to choose a brand name for your business that is unique. And I know that there is nothing new under the sun. King Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. But I need you to try to find something slightly new, at least. Um, I need you to try to find something slightly new. I have actually posted about this fairly recently, probably in, I don't know, the last month or so on Instagram, where I talk about search all the free databases that you can for your brand name, your proposed brand name before you create your LLC, before you choose your domain name, before you create your logo, all of this stuff. Search everything. Search the... Secretary of State's office for your state, okay? Search their free corporations database. You can, it's, every state has this. You can just type in your proposed name, see if anything comes up. Type in different variations of your proposed name, um, see what comes up. Search the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office's uh, trademark database. Again, search different variations of your proposed brand name, see if anything close comes up. Um, And it's, I would encourage you to search, even if you find something that is close, but it's not in your industry, I would still ask you to consider that maybe you should still change your name. Um, Because lately there seems to be um, a strong effort by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the examining attorneys there, the trademark examining attorneys, to protect brand names across lots of different uh, industries or what's called trademark classes. Um, There seems to be a strong effort to uh, protect trademarks, even if they're only registered, like let's say a trademark is registered in class, class 45, which is actually the last of the 45 trademark classes. Class 45 is legal and security services. Let's say someone has a trademark with your name registered for some reason in legal and security services, but you want to get a trademark in um, the education and entertainment services class. Honestly, there are some trademark examiners out there who are um, somewhat resistant to the idea of allowing basically the same exact trademark name in a... uh, in a class, in another class that might be closely linked to the original trademark class where the trademark is registered. Um, in other words, there are some trademark examiners who are uh, not comfortable granting a trademark for another industry if there is an existing trademark in what could be a closely related industry. So I just, again, I want to encourage you, look through... Uh, your Secretary of State's database, look through the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office's database for the brand name, you know, look through um, Google, of course, 
look through domain name.com or name.com. Um, look through all the social media platforms, all of them, as many as you can, can look through. Um, I literally just want to encourage you to try to find out if there is the same or a similar name being used somewhere out in the world. And it's, again, especially if it's in the exact same industry that you're in, I really want to discourage you from using that name too. You don't, it, you don't have to take my advice, obviously, but I promise you, you will deal with a lot less drama if you just try to choose a unique brand name. So back to the cease and desist letter issue. It ended up uh, that the potential client, I basically told her, I was like, this woman who wrote you the cease and desist letter has a right to do this. And I don't know what her next step is. I mean, if you don't want to comply, if you don't want to change your name for your wellness business here in in the Atlanta area, um, if she wants, she can file a motion for a temporary restraining order, uh, you know, in a federal district court to get you to stop selling wellness, you know, services and products under this name. And if, again, if she wants, she can actually sue you in federal district court and ask the court to give her, you know, monetary damages from the proceeds essentially, uh, that were created, but when you were using the, the business name, um, and so she was kind of upset, uh, understandably. And I basically told her, I was like, if it's up to you, you can decide what you want to, you can decide not to comply with the cease and desist order. If that's what you wish to do. I, but I have made sure that I've told you what the possible consequences of not complying this with this order could be. Um, and I told her, I was like, it may just make more sense, quite frankly, for you to change the name of your business. I mean, this happens a lot. Actually, I have listened to so many podcasts where entrepreneurs come on, you know, for interview, they're sort of like interview style podcasts where entrepreneurs come on and talk about the origins of their business. And I would say that at least 50% of the time, the entrepreneur has changed the brand name. And sometimes it's actually because they received a a cease and desist letter you know, out of the blue from some company that owns a trademark for that brand name. Um, and that's because quite frankly, they probably didn't thoroughly research the name as I'm suggesting that you do. So that's kind of the tea, I guess, on, uh, cease and desist letters really and truly cease and desist letters are not the end of the world. Sometimes if you're in the very early stages of business, you can, uh, quite frankly, just change the brand name and it's not a big deal. Um, but sometimes you've been in business for years and it's going to be a real pain. So to avoid getting a cease and desist letter uh, due to using a registered trademark owned by another person, um, just create a unique brand name um, and you know work with that. So that's it for today's episode, good people. If you like what you've heard on today's episode of this podcast, please be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or Amazon.